2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Will Wilson rocking the Timberwolves gear. God love him. We are loaded up. The, uh, well, the, the biggest fan of, of Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity, I, I do believe, is Garth Brooks. Both Oklahoma guys. And uh, one has a cowboy hat and can sing. The other talks to to Taylor Martinez on his podcast and does really good Monday columns for Hale Varsity. I'll I'll, I'll let you figure that out. But excited to talk to the good doctor, our Chicago correspondent, uh, in about 20 minutes. The pride of Fairbury is Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. Bill Dolman, let the world know. Let the world know that he has not seen Field of Dreams.
3: (laughs) Mm. Wow. Yikes.
2: I love Bill Dolman. There's probably a Russian flag hanging (laughs) over his mantle. I'm kidding. But doesn't that just seem, of all dudes that would love Field of Dreams, Bill Dolman's probably a top three draft pick. And he has not seen Field of Dreams. What a, what a scene last night. We'll get into some Nebraska football. Coach Frost met the media today, so we'll hear from Frosty. Coming up here, uh, this segment, uh, Bill Dolman, and then an extended sit-down with Jay Moore. We will try and talk him into wearing some cowboy boots. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 825 Five eight six five. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore Radio, at Willie on the radio for Will Wilson. He's like, yes, you got it right. Yes, you got it. okay. Uh, so follow Will on Twitter and email us Chris at hailbarcity So last Friday we we took inventory on the best ways to uh, to do your sweet corn. So today a little fun Friday topic: cowboy boots. I had cowboy boots I think when I was younger. I mean we're talking pre-K. Junior was all about cowboy boots, pre-K. And I know Barrett Rude collects cowboy boots, so he's a big cowboy boot guy. I never made the the jump. My my dear late father, bless his heart, got got caught up in the the western attire. There was no urban sombrero in his repertoire but one time on a trip a family trip down to arizona we went to tombstone and and he bought this like leather overcoat that was western themed there was no wrestling mask or or other accessories that came with it but we were all a little a little weirded out and let's just say he didn't wear it out too often but he had this. It looked like something Doc Holliday would wear. Oh yeah. Or or Wyatt Earp would have rocked. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> right. That's one too many Miller lights down in Tombstone around the fiestable time of 1996. That's that's <laughs> where I'm going to go with that. But cowboy boots, Will. You like country music? You're on kicks at night. Yeah, I, I used to have a really nice pair, but
3: I grew out of them. Uh, so I'm- did
2: you did you wear them? I mean, I I pray because you see, like Miss Nebraska, when it's nice and sunny and warm out, you see s- all sorts of beautiful women. Love the boots. W- just wear the cowboy boots. Love and the boots. That's awesome. <laughs> okay? Love the boots. Yeah, the boots are cool. Yes, but you're not wa- you're not rocking cowboy boots with with uh, with joggers with, on with, with jean shorts. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, no. but but you had cowboy boots.
3: I did. Yeah, it was a special day though when I brought them out. Mainly in high school, Schmidt. I wore them a few times, and uh, like I said, it was. A a special day with jeans though had to be with jeans
2: well yeah i mean you, mm-hmm. you got to wear them with jeans did you have uh dude i am not trying to stereotype did you just go with a normal belt or was there normal was there a black shirt it belt was casual buckle? very casual so, so you yeah. can you can wear them mm-hmm. right Definitely. you can wear them and I just haven't dove in. I hear they're like insanely comfortable. Uh, it depends. They got to fit right for me.
3: That's for sure. And but, but once they're broken in. Once they're broken in, they're fine. But I'll tell you what, man, those first few months, they are tough to get on and off. Maybe I just don't know how to do it. I don't know.
2: But I, I had to ask. So we'll we'll talk to, to Dr. Petey here about some some cowboy boots, some, some Nebraska football. And I think the world will descend on Memorial Stadium. The thing that's odd and funny and and i get the climate here uh with uh, mr delta variant but you see a lot of a lot of seats for sale yeah like people shell out a hundred bones or whatever for them and there's some posted on facebook for 50 bucks i've seen some for like 8 to 10 bucks if i want to truly get into the stadium <laughs> tomorrow night i don't and it's not that i don't don't like garth it just my mom's out of town. I'd probably have taken her because she's a, a big Garth fan. Mm-hmm. But it is, he's one of those guys that uh, he's phenomenal. Yeah. But I just never had a, a big collection of his music. I'll tell you what. You mentioned Oklahoma and how he's a he's a sooner guy he's an, too. He, well, he's an Oklahoma State guy. Oklahoma Garth State.
3: Garth was, gotcha. Yeah. Well, you know when you mentioned Oklahoma, I, I like Toby Keith. I like Toby Keith better. And he's from obviously so. Yeah. Sooner I mean, he's,
2: yeah. No. To, so you're you're more of a Toby guy.
3: Yeah, he's a legend.
2: Yeah, Toby's cool. Mm -hmm. I hope we bump into him down in Norman. That'd be awesome. Okay, uh, you have the numbers to get in. Uh, Will, let's uh, dive into some Scott Frost right now. Also, ESPN came out with their top 100 coaches in the last 50 years. We'll dive in shortly as to where Coach Osborne ended up. Too high, too low, just right, Husker Nation. Uh, We'll hear that argument one way or the other in a moment. But with Scott Frost, so let's let's get this down. Let's get things out of the gate. The the world's wondering about the tight ends. Okay, what's the word on Austin Allen? What's the word on Travis Vokalek? What's happening if if either guys aren't good for Illinois? That was addressed, uh, not necessarily timeline, by Scott Frost, but just uh, specifically that guys weren't at practice this week. Here's a little more from Coach.
4: Yeah, it's strange. We've been nicked up at that position. Every camp, it seems like there's one position where you, you kind of get a rash of things. And, um, you know, Chris and Austin will going to be fine. Travis will be back. We had an appendectomy, and... Uh, Um, Just kind of another little fluke thing. And we've been a a little hurting at depth there. The good thing is is we've been getting young guys reps at that position um, that I think are going to help us down the road. So um, we'll keep getting those guys healthy and feel good about where we'll be for game one.
2: So let's let's talk about what Nick Nicked Up means. Nicked up is what? Is, is Vokalek going to be ready for Illinois? Don't know. Is Austin Allen somewhere inside Memorial Stadium uh, with bubble wrap around him? Uh, and Chancellor Brewington, all-name team. He's a kid who used to kick your ass and take your money in, in prep school with that type of name. But in all seriousness, he's done really well. More from Coach Frost here on who's backing up at tight end. Uh, of course, you, you've got Hickman. Right, the the Burks the, the Burke the, the, the standout and you also have uh Carney uh making some way, uh the the really talented kid out of Norris. So you have young guys, but man, you wanna lean on some of those older vets in an opener like Illinois. More from Coach Frost here on some of those names behind your two Mainstays at tight end in Allen and in Vokalek.
4: Yeah, we, we've actually moved two guys, Sean. Uh, Chancellor Brewington that transferred in uh, to our program He's a, a big receiver, and he's gone in and done a good job learning and getting reps at tight end. And then uh, Jacob Herbeck uh, we moved to, to tight end, too, and brought into camp uh, just to give us some more legs.
2: So no relation to Kent at first base for the Twins, but Jake Herbeck and Chancellor uh, Brewington. So... Brewington, you know, he made an appearance on some of the, the videos, right? Who was that catching the football? Uh, and Brewington's kind of more of a, a lean, mean, muscular dude. And, and that's not to say the other two tight ends aren't muscular. They're, they're giant. They block the sun. Brewington, good size for sure. But he's more of, of probably a, I don't know, a slot, big-bodied wideout right? That's that's where I'm going to go with that. So, listen, uh, Nebraska's offense, to me, was going to going to lean heavily on the tight ends. That's what Coach Lubick was talking about uh, from a read standpoint with your quarterbacks. You wanted to, uh, under Coach Lubick, probably integrate more uh, tight end usage or their earlier in the read setup for your quarterback. Great, but you kind of want to have both of them available and there's just tip of the iceberg with, with because of how big and physical he is. And and if he's out an extended period of time or if he's nicked up and that nicked up bleeds into week one or week two, and I don't have a timeline. I'm just talking out loud here, not stoking any fire Uh, of Austin Allen's recoverable. I mean, clearly he's got the most experience for you. I think Vocalik's probably one of your top end line blockers uh, in in the position group. I think he's a money point of attack guy, and I think Austin Allen's really worked hard to be a better blocker as well. So we'll see where things go. But Burlington, Herbeck, and of course you have Carney and, and, and uh, uh, Hickman uh, are are the guys that you're thinking about with uh, with Nebraska tied in. So nebraska have to adjust assuming uh they don't have one or both back maybe just one uh turner corcoran has missed uh, quite a bit of camp too with some soft tissue injury a uh, little birdie told me that so uh, you've seen uh, more and more uh, on the offensive side of the ball with brand banks and he's really a guy that's Young in the program, but, man, uh, great uh, footwork, great size. And Banks is one of those guys that's impressed at guard or tackle. So he's been right there. Let's hear a little bit more from Coach Frost on the offensive line side of things, uh, specifically with with where things are going. We'll do cut 16 here.
3: Um, Hmm, 16. Trying to find that one, Schmitty. Cut 16 here. Um, I'll go back in your folder here. I didn't. I don't did, did not see sixteen. Is here. there
2: one with Brant Banks or yes, offensive line? I Thank see you. that right here. Number twelve here for you. I, I you am bad that? at Yeah, yeah Brant's been working no, with the
4: ones, um, with the twos a little bit. Um, we got more depth on the line than we've had. Nuri's done a good job. Um, Bando's done a good job. Hickson's done a good job. Um, don't want to leave anybody out, but there's a lot of guys doing well, and I think that's going to give us the ability to keep guys fresh and get more guys into the game.
2: So. Listen, they're still figuring things out on the offensive line. You hope that, that Corcoran's a guy that can get back at it. And he's, um, when, when we talk soft tissue, I mean, those are things that can be a pulled hammy or something along those lines that if you rush back, you can tweak right away until you're 100%. Uh, the real interesting thing, though, is, is Scott Frost and what he loves about Garth Brooks. All right, let's get into the favorite Garth songs from Scott Frost.
4: I'd say Every Time That It Rains is probably my favorite overall, though. It's too many.
2: Okay, so there you go. Uh, More on the Garth show from Scott Frost.
4: Yeah, I am um, excited. Uh, uh, I'm just excited to see the stadium full again. I've never been in my box before. My wife's been in there. I've never been in it, so uh, that's where I'm going to sit. It'll be the first time I ever saw it. Hmm. Favorite Garth song? Oh, man. Uh, Grew up with that stuff. Colin Baton Rouge, probably one of them. Thunder Rolls is everybody's favorite. Cowboy Lament, I really liked. That's a good question, by the way. Yeah, I'll think of another one before I'm done here.
2: Well, and he told you his favorite. Last thought, let's name drop who... uh, who is Zach Brown got to meet in Scott Frost's office?
4: I don't know. When we have concerts in town, sometimes guys come over. Uh, Zach Brown's been in my office playing my little $80 guitar. Uh, um, we'll see if Garth shows up. But finally, we met Garth, um, I think, my senior year. He came and uh, talked to the team at practice one day. So um, He's one of the best. Can't wait to see him. Hmm.
2: So he's fired up. Good for Frosty to go uh, see, uh, see Garth tomorrow. But you're going or no? I will not be there, no. You're going to be serving beer, aren't you? Serving beer, doing that kind of thing. What about you? What are you doing? I have a golf outing tomorrow morning. Then I don't know. I think I'm just going to hang out of the pool. I love it. Pour drinks. Hey, you know, he talks about Zach Braddon. We were at that show. That was the best. That was awesome. I've seen Zach because he's been here twice, right? Uh, I think he might have been here three times, maybe. So, okay, I saw him in 14 in may it was like a may 25th show i was there too it was great it was incredible we had floor seats for that thing oh my god it was sweet and then the last time he was here oh right pre-pandemic it was the last right, co- right before the, the right before everything it. went to hell yes yeah. and you know what the first February time, 29th. the first time
3: was better because uh that night he did into the mystic and he didn't do it I, the oh, last time so
2: you're a big into the mystic guy oh, i love it. i love that song oh, it's van beautiful. morrison
3: yes yeah. yes oh man
2: we're two step brothers here. We
3: need Zach Brown being back.
2: I call uh, I call Dale. You get Brennan.
3: Okay. Not fair.
2: Not uh, we'll fair. uh we'll hear from Derek Peterson coming up just a couple news and notes too with uh, Coach Frost on, on vaccinations. The team continuing to, to make progress uh when it comes to, to team vaccinations. Nobody knows the number there, but uh That's where things are at. Some NFL on the way. And yes, ranking the top 100 college football coaches, Bill Conley went to work. The window is 50 years. Where does Robert Devaney fall? Where does Coach Tom Osborne fall? And some of those other coaches that you uh, saw come to Memorial Stadium, lots of Saturdays. And some current coaches... Also, in the mix, I was disappointed that Gary Barnett did not make the top 100. And then I was reminded that he was four games below 500 for his career. Well, I think think taking Northwestern to the Rose Bowl, after almost getting relegated to the Ivy League, should bump him on this list. Derek Peterson's next.
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Quick heavy on a Friday. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Without further ado, we are going to play. Garth Brooks karaoke with one Derek Peterson, the Pride of Oklahoma, our Chicago correspondent at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. Derek, how do the pipe sound? Uh not good. I'm kidding. And, I will not uh, I will not do that to you. I just wanted to, to, to get that, thank God. That, that, that 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 hold on a minute, what am I walking into type reaction? <laughs> What's up, man? What do you know?
5: <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm coming down from the slight heart attack that almost gave me. Don't nobody want to hear me try to sing. And I don't even know any Garth Brooks songs. So really in trouble,
2: brother. You 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 know zero Garth, being from Oklahoma.
5: Which is funny because um, there are. uh, Oh nope, never mind. No. Yeah nope. I don't know anything Garth Brooks. I'm not a big country guy.
2: That's okay. It's fine. Uh, truth be told, I don't really know much either. I know the, I know the thunder rolls, and that's about it. And then uh, ro- r- rodeo, and uh, what else? Do you have anything, Willie J? The rain, Oh, ah, the Pina Colada song. I don't know if Derek can hear that or not. Okay, so we'll get to football in a minute. But yeah, it's it's Garth crazy in this town, brother.
5: Yeah, I guess so. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that.
2: So, tight end, are you worried uh, about uh, this mystery surrounding Nebraska's tight ends?
5: Um, I think we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, because if their wide receivers are really as talented as Scott Frost and Matt Lubick think they are, um, it shouldn't be a huge problem. I mean, Travis Kelce doesn't have a ton of production at Nebraska so far. Um, and I, I guess to that end, neither really does Austin Allen. Um, guys were, you know, NFL scouts were there at practice checking out those guys, but those two tight ends don't really move the needle. Um, for, for anybody when you're talking about Nebraska, a uh, national kind of a, a broad mm-hmm. scope, most people don't know who those guys are. Um, so that's part of it. I think you know, I, I think too this is this is a little bit why we're starting to see um, some changes to fall camp procedures because it seems like Nebraska has issues getting out of fall camp healthy every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of it, I, I think. You know, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they uh, weren't as live during their most recent scrimmage as they were in the first one. Um, I'd I bet that's as health-related as anything. Um, just wanting to keep guys upright. Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think we're at a point where you should be worried about the tight ends. I'm not worried about Austin Allen. Um, I like Chris Hickman. I think You know, the way he's coming off of a bad injury, but I think the way that Thomas Wadoni attacked his rehab um, shows good signs for uh, the the potential for him to play a role this season, uh, at least later in the year. Um, And I mean, like, if you're missing a guy for the first four weeks of the season, then he's missing the Oklahoma game. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you, you you move on from there, it's not really you know you don't really need all hands on deck for Fordham. you shouldn't need all hands on deck for Fordham. We'll see what happens with buffalo um Illinois week one. You can kind of get creative with that if you don't have some guys available to you so i'm not I'm not terribly concerned, but um it is a situation where like it's like we we have this conversation every year where well <laughs> Nebraska's losing guys at at uh inopportune spot.
2: Mm-hmm. Derek Peterson's with us, Halevarcity.com and magazine at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. From a from a game plan standpoint, though, I look at Volkolek and Allen, point of attack, end line guys. If you wanted to do two more, you know, more double tight end twenty-two personnel, those guys and kind of set the tone physically against a team in Illinois that, you know, has been physical and you know Coach Bealum is gonna be physical. I just want, Nebraska can win a different way, but from a from a downhill mindset, mentality approach, I think this hurts a little bit. I mean, Nebraska can, you're right on. They've got enough wideouts to go spread the field and do their thing, but to, to get downhill and, and grind it, I think losing, potentially losing, and we don't know, right? But I'm seeing a vocal like getting able to go, and uh, if, if he's nicked up, that's, that's uh, not good. Now, other guys all have to step up, and uh, they have that opportunity to do so. I just know Volkolec was pretty good uh, last year at point of attack.
5: Yeah, I mean, he's made a, t- a tremendous um, improvement as a blocker mm-hmm. since coming over from, from Rutgers. And, and, I mean, I just wrote about it last week. Like, them having the tight end room that, that they have, fully healthy, is a, is a significant schematic advantage mm-hmm. Like, if you put um, – let's say, Fedoni is fully healthy. If you put Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek and Thomas Fedoni on the field, you feel like at least two of those three guys can block really, really well. Uh, you can throw out of formations that have three tight ends on the field. Like, you're going to be uh, – you're going to be able to do some stuff with that. And then, you know, we know what Nebraska can do out of, out of empty steps. You can start to um, mess with tendencies quite a bit. So, you know, from from that standpoint, like, yeah – Um, you know you talk about point of attack Um, it's now you're know you losing a a blocker that you felt good about Mm -hmm. so you you need the other guys in the offensive line to to really be consistent and you saw a year ago that was uh, an area that wasn't a a strong suit so I I guess you know we're just kind of in wait and see mode
2: let's talk about Savion Morrison you uh, know Savion well uh, kid out of Oklahoma Man, he's really uh, improved his game from the sounds of it. And, you know, what, what do you like about his game, Derek? What What can he bring to the backfield for Nebraska?
5: I just like the way he runs. Um, I like the way he, he hits holes and attacks. Um, he's, you know, I, I've said this before, and other people, a bunch of people have said it to me, that he runs, you see a little bit of Adrian Peterson when he runs, and, um, you know, part of that is just the, the Oklahoma connection, but part of that is, is the stature and, and just the the way that he hits. Um, you know, there's not a ton of dancing. Um, I think, you know, with, with him and uh, with Marquis Step and with Gabe Urban, uh, those three guys seem to be probably the, the top three. Um, at least that's that's the way it seems to me. Um, you've got a, a pretty good mix of of ability, a pretty good um, Mix of talent there, and I think Savion is one of the the more complete backs that they have in that room. Um, And catching the ball out of the backfield is a big deal. Uh, He's got a a bigger frame, Um, and you know, I just I I think I think he's a really talented back, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with with really what what will be his first um, real opportunity at the collegiate level after injury and COVID stuff last year didn't really get a chance to, to kind of hit the ground running and, and it seems like he's um, he's kind of showcasing the talent that he's always had now that he's he's got that opportunity.
2: Derek Peterson's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, Derek, your podcast of Varsity Club. Love, it, love uh, what you do with it. You had a chance to sit down with uh, Adrian Martinez. Man, how was the visit?
5: It was great. Um, Adrian's really cool. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've I've been really excited about with this NIL experience is, is that we just get to talk to players more about stuff that they enjoy. Um, Adrian's got a podcast; he's really, really good at it. Um, his podcast is really good. They they got uh, episode six, I think, just came out today um, with some guys from the baseball team. Um, he's got a he's got a way of of connecting with the people that are sort of sitting right there.
2: Hello. Okay, we got you back.
5: You got me back? Yep. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, he's just got a way of getting people to to be comfortable. Um, And, you know, that speaks to, you know, what we know about Adrian as a leader. He's able to to bring a team along. And I kind of talked to him a little bit about leadership, just his his growth um, as a person and his growth uh, as sort of, you know, he's had to be the guy since day one. The second he stepped on campus and – That's a lot to ask of a young kid. That's a lot to ask of a a first-year player coming in and and having to to not only figure out, you know, how do I run an offense, how do I do college and football, but also how do I be the the face of a team? Um, And, you know, I just think – I think the thing that we've probably learned the most about Adrian Martinez over the last 12 months is just that he's just a a really tremendous human being. Um, And, you know, I know – People will will say what they will about his quarterbacking ability, and you know we can certainly um, critique pieces here and there. But you know I think um, just his just his nature uh, and the the person that he is is um, it's a really good thing for Nebraska.
2: Doctor Petey is with us, Derek Peterson, HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Dr. PDHV on Twitter is where you find him. And the Varsity Club, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, downloaded his sit-down with Adrian uh, Martinez, Nebraska's quarterback. So last thought here, I've got about a minute or so, Derek. But with, with the weapons around Adrian that we think are there and maybe somebody emerging at running back, do you think the balance can be better? Uh, on offense for Nebraska I know they've always kind of traditionally been run heavy but I'm looking for some maybe some some year one Adrian type uh, success with the play action do you think that possibility exists for this offense
5: yeah I absolutely think the possibility exists Um, when you talk about balance the first thing that pops into my head is is having a a more stable um, traditional ground game that isn't almost wholly reliant on the quarterback uh, to move the ball on the ground. Um, that would certainly help. And, you know, I, I've said it a bunch this offseason. We just talked about it a little bit ago when we were talking about the tight ends. I like the wide receiver talent. Um, I think it's good. They obviously think it's as good as it has been since they've been here. But, um, you know, the thing that I keep coming back to this offseason is everything revolves around the offensive line and how consistent they are up front. They're going to have two really young tackles on the outside going against um, a league that has a lot of, Of really good edge rushers and they've got a center that um, so far has been inconsistent um, at best snapping the football for stretches and so for them to to show balance, for them to be able to have time um, to take shots downfield, for them to be able to get the ground game uh, moving more effectively, that offensive line has to be super consistent. I think they have uh, the talent to do it I I think Greg Austin's done a good job with that group um, but this is uh, this is a really important year for the offensive line.
2: Derek, have a good weekend, man. We'll check in next week. Thanks for jumping on with this, bud. Sounds
5: good, buddy. Thanks for
2: having me. I appreciate you. There he is, Derek Peterson. We'll talk top 100 coaches next.
1: Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show. Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try
2: me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Happy Friday. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Dolman, 25 minutes away. Thanks to Derek Peterson from Hail Varsity joining us uh, last segment. And then Jay Moore with us in the five o'clock hour. Pretty awesome stuff from uh, Hastings. They got the dub, and they got the dub over Iowa.
6: The 1-1. Could end
1: it. Charging. Oh! A diving catch by Jude Johnson!
6: Oh, baby! Snow cone in right, and Hastings is going to the Little League World Series.
2: The pride of Hastings right there. Jude Johnson, well done, man. Never been to Williamsport uh, let's just be straight. I wasn't a good enough baseball player to make a team that could get to Williams, Williamsport. Uh, we did that whole uh, Schmidt year. Your mother and father paid, so you have to play. Uh, so we'll stick you in right field. Been there, done that, man. <laughs> oh, but uh, who was the big, heavy-set lefty uh, for the Yanks? Goatee. God, he threw a perfect game. Big old fat nasty. I loved him. David something or other. Ugh. David Wells. David Wells, big, sexy. <laughs> I did my my best David Wells, except I was a righty through the junior high okay. years. Okay, yeah. Through the junior high years. So let's talk coaches' rankings. Bill Conley out with a, another list. And Bill Conley, good college football writer. Uh, that's an understatement. But he put his top 100 together. Uh, an enemy of the state, Bruce Snyder, head coach at Arizona State, got a little ticked off when uh, an Australian Husker football player did a backflip, was ticked off at T for throwing while they were up by 1,000 in 1995. That led to, well, a lot of emphasis being put on the Arizona State-Nebraska game in 96 when Bill Snyder still had a, Bruce Snyder, beg your pardon, Bruce Snyder still had a job at Arizona State. And uh, long and short, he, he just sneaks in at uh, number 101. I said the top 100 coaches. Uh, Frank Beamer was left off this list originally. So, uh, it's now 101. Let's get to the, the nitty-gritty, though, with uh, where some of your favorite coaches rank. And uh, Bobby Petrino is right in front, motorcycle and all of uh, Frank Solich. So Solich comes in at number 78, Bobby Petrino in at 77, Butch Davis, what a glorious run in Miami. Uh, and then uh, John Blake got him in trouble at Carolina. He's now at was at Florida International? Kirk Ferrance. I didn't know Captain Kirk spent time in the main wilderness, but he did before joining uh the uh, the Belichick staff in Cleveland, Iowa, of course. So you have Ferentz at number seventy-one. Joe Tiller, I love Joe Tiller, Wyoming and Purdue comes in at sixty-eight. Your top fifty. Uh, Phil Fulmer comes in at forty-nine. Antonio forty-eight. Lance Leopold. <laughs> now at Buffalo uh, from Buffalo to Kansas, one forty-six and thirty-nine. <laughs> We're talking multiple national championships at Whitewater. He comes in at 46. Uh, Moving down the list, the Pirate, our dear friend Mike Leach, comes in at 41. Bill McCartney. This is what they say about Wild Bill. Colorado finished in the AP Top 10 just twice ever before. The former Michigan assistant transformed the Buffs into an option-heavy powerhouse. He enjoyed three 11-win seasons, first emanating... Uh, rival Nebraska then briefly surpassing Nebraska before Nebraska uh put him out like a smoky treat. Daddy Ford in at thirty-nine, Dennis Erickson in at number thirty-eight. Uh Coach Kelly in at thirty eh, thirty-five. Make that thirty-six for for Brian Kelly for the Notre Dame fans out there. Barry Alvarez comes in at thirty-two. Bo twenty-nine. Gary Patterson still gets some love at twenty-eight. Bob Stoops at number 26. Is that way high for big game Bob? Resurrected Oklahoma. Let's be straight. Resuscitated Oklahoma. Won a championship in 2000. But here's the thing. How bad did they get after Switzer? Uh, real bad. I mean, they had Gary Gibbs for a couple of years, but Gary was not on TV for two years because of probation and then they they whacked him but he was i mean gibbs is going eight or nine and three eight and four but then they go get howard schnellenberger and then they go get john blake and then they they get stoops wow they had about a 10-year window where they were not good at all don james comes in at number 22 uh the last 50 years you have chris peterson and lou holtz daryl royal at 18 Woody Hayes at 16, Trestle 15, Carroll 14, Spurrier 13, uh, Joe Pod at 11, Lavelle Edwards 10, Switzer in at 9. Question about Edwards there at 10. Is, is BYU only a thing because of him? They were, yeah, I mean, he got there in 72. He won 257 games, won a title in 84. Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco. Huh. Sarkeesian went to a Cotton uh, Bowl. I mean, okay. they he mean he, they were kind of quarterback. You interesting, uh, Mark Wilson. So you had Switzer at nine, Bill Snyder eight. Am I not seeing Devaney on this list?
3: I, I think he must be before the where, where they started rankings.
2: Yeah, because Bob started in '62, which is clearly beyond the last fifty years. So, well, I mean, you had John McKay in at number six. I think He was like
3: right behind. Maybe just a few years off of being in this thing,
2: dude. Davani, no, there's other coaches from from his era that interesting made it. Maybe um, they coach longer? Ten years? Huh. I mean, Bob had Bob had uh, close to 100 wins. I think he had 101, something like that. We've got to scan this list a little further because this is glorious radio. I can't find Davani.
3: I'm telling. I looked earlier. I don't see him on here. He's not on here.
2: (laughs) That's not good. Again,
3: like I don't know what the how you're qualified to be in this ranking. Is it last 50 years?
2: Let's rank the top 100 coaches the past 50 years. Why 50 years? Primarily because the sport approached full integration 50 years ago. So one final note here the list is completely and totally about on-field accomplishments you'll see plenty of coaches on this list who ran into trouble with the NCAA I wrote about 50 men in particular but I wanted to take uh, the time to mention as many awesome coaches as possible
3: so I have Devaney leave in Nebraska in 72, 72. and that yes. was 60 years ago
2: 72 would have been 49
3: oh maybe my calculator's wrong my bad, Smitty. No,
2: you're good. You're good. I, I'm kind of shocked that Devaney's not on here because you got yeah, Dan right. Devine, Missouri and, and Notre Dame. I mean, Dan Devine first started coaching at Arizona State in '55. I'm with you, Smitty. He should be. He should be on there. <laughs> yeah, you launch a program. Woody Hayes is on here. He started coaching in '46. That's incredible. That Devaney isn't on this list. Wow. Wow. To comes in at number four. Bobby Bowden three, Bear Bryant two, Saban in at number one. I get that Frank Beamer was left off the list and then added. Somebody's got to ask old Conley where, where sweet old Bob's at. We'll wind down hour one on Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. So, great research, poor prep on my end. Bill Conley answering a couple of different questions here on Osborne being too low on the list at number four. So, Conley's response is like, look, Osborne v. Bowden, that had him stumped for a while. It ended up leaning Bowden because he didn't inherit as much. That's fair. So, to build from scratch is really tough. To follow a legend that won two championships played for four in a 10-year window, and then maintain and exceed is even tougher. Are you going to wreck the Ferrari, or are you going to trade in the Ferrari for two Porsches and a Lambo? (laughs) Right? How do you look at it? But Conley's response is, uh, he retired the year the range of the list began, so from 70 beyond, So Conley, his approach with this top 100 coaches you needed the coach like at least till 1975.
3: Okay. All Which right. I mean
2: that that explains it. Thanks for the uh shout out from the uh folks at uh the Go Big Redcast. They're they're money. They're part of the Herd Ad Media family. Hug them. Listen to them. Uh check their podcast out. Do but, you
3: put Davani in in front of anyone in the top 10 there? I mean
2: Oh, hell yes. I mean, the top 10's good, and rightfully so, and maybe I've had a little red Kool-Aid today. <laughs> but Joe Paterno should be off the list. There, I said that. Okay. Lavelle Edwards, yes, Devaney, for sure, in front. Uh, do I put Devaney in front of Switzer? I do. Okay. I put Devaney in front of Bill Snyder. I put Devaney in front of Sweeney. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I put Devaney in front of Bear just because Bear won a thousand titles. Here's the thing that Devaney did that all these guys in front of him, aside from Osborne and Saban, didn't do. And and Osborne and Saban never got busted, nor nailed, nor cheated. Okay. Bobby Bowden had problems. Florida State used to stand for Free Shoes You, Mm. God rest his soul, his funeral's tomorrow, so I'm not hating. Sure. Uh, Bear Bryant went on probation a lot. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. There's a few six and five seasons. Uh, Barry Switzer, I love Switzer to death. Went on probation a lot. Mm. Urban Meyer. Bob Devaney didn't have sudden flare-ups with health issues. When I'm going eight and five and Saban's crushing me. John McKay, USC, really good coach. USC was not awesome. Bill Snyder is is a tough call because I mean the guy again went mouth to mouth and gave K State life twice. He's incredible. Yeah, he's absolutely incredible. But no, Devaney belongs in the top ten because he took a program that was. Horrid, non-existent, and then out of the gate made it really awesome. <laughs> and then, oh by the way, was smart enough to pick Tom Osborne, who he hired, and then T.O. did his thing. But Saban and Bear—I mean, those those are your one-two. The thing that's, that that Osborne did that that most of these guys on this list in this top ten didn't have to deal with is—I mean. They all recruited nationally, but they had a ton of backyard talent. Coach Osborne had talent around the vicinity, but he was so good at developing and and thriving with his system. Incredible. Welcome to an hour two of tale of our city radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery Chris Schmidt Will Wilson as uh, we dive in he is going to get the guitar out clear his voice and probably sing along we welcome in the pride of Fairbury NBC Sports Bill Dolman with us Billy D it's uh, Garth Brooks weekend how are you?
0: I appreciate the wake-up call, uh, so good morning to everybody.
2: <laughs> You're back from the Olympics, and uh, man, are your feet tired, as is your alarm clock.
0: Yeah, I, I, I told people I was doing stuff, you know, I worked at a, the Connecticut headquarters, the mothership of NBC, so we were doing stuff uh, tomorrow from Tokyo today for later yesterday there. Mm. And you finally, you know, you, you come home, and uh, it, it's been a, it's been a bit of an adjustment to, to try and get back to, uh, back to life. But anyway,
2: so we need to, to discuss something on Facebook. Uh huh. Bring it. Field of Dreams. You have never seen it.
0: I've never seen it, and I found out last night from uh, Coach uh, Riles that there's a book, which I've also never read. And apparently the music was good enough to be nominated for some award. So didn't read it, didn't see it, didn't hear it. Now, I've got a friend of mine that posted uh, uh, that said he didn't believe me, that I was just playing a little game on Facebook. And I said, I am one billion percent truthful that I have not seen Field of Dreams. And I would go higher than one billion percent, but I don't think that's mathematically possible.
2: So are you going to
0: see it? Uh, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> I barely watched the game last night. I tuned it in, and these guys are playing baseball by corn, and everybody was making a big deal out of it. And I also said that anybody who played Legion ball in small-town Nebraska has pretty much played about half of the games of your season next to a cornfield, so I really don't see what the big deal is.
2: Well, Hastings whacked Iowa to get to the Little League World Series today.
0: I saw that a great catch uh, at, the, at the end to close it out. So
2: I think, I think Jude Johnson. I think that's the, the young lad's name making a gold glove effort out in right field.
0: Yep, yep. So uh, so go bigger. The kids were wearing red too, as I recall. Yes. So, uh, mm-hmm. Go big, little Reds, right? That, maybe that, those kids, maybe those kids will watch Field of Dreams. I, I don't know. I've not seen it. I've they, not seen. They've the do- seen it.
2: They've they've already <laughs> seen it multiple times. I'm sure it was on the team bus. But <laughs> what, 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 how would you have reacted though? Had you seen Kevin Costner roll out of the corn in a Ripken jersey?
0: Uh, probably would not have moved me uh, all that much.
2: It's the inside joke about Cal Ripken and and, and, anywho, never mind. No Uh, comment. That's why it would not have moved me all that much. No comment about the old Cal Ripken and Kevin Costner, urban legend. Okay, Uh, so you haven't seen Field of Dreams. You are mildly interested in in baseball in the corn last night are you are you gearing up for football at least nebraska by the
0: way by, by the way and i've never seen an episode of law and order real oh dude uh, i've never seen an episode dude. of criminal minds i've never seen an episode of ncis i've never seen an episode of uh, breaking bad dexter uh, you name all the Ben shows, but I no, I've never, I've never seen Field of Dreams. I didn't see the, the what's the crying in baseball movie. I haven't seen that one. That one didn't move me to, to go watch. So uh, I yeah, told I've you, never Will, I've never a seen Russian flag
2: above his mantle.
3: What do you watch for enjoyment, Bill? Huh? What do you watch uh, for enjoyment?
0: Look, Waz Jr. When 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 I <laughs> when you when you're saving the world through sportscasting. You know, you, you have steely-eyed focus and determination on the task at hand. And when I've got to bring my best information about Korean archers, um, uh, Brazilian shooters, mm-hmm. German w- women beating horses on the head and modern pentathlon, you can't waste your time watching Kevin Costner movies, although I thought draft day was actually pretty good. And you've done a pretty good job of rebuilding the, uh, the Cleveland Browns around uh, uh, Baker. Uh, no, uh, Brian Drew. Right. That's yeah.
2: Because he was at a birthday party, mm-hmm. instead right. of hanging with his teammates. Right.
0: right. So that was a good
3: pick. <laughs> Monte Mac. No matter what.
2: So you're going to want to go get an RV once you watch Breaking Bad. Uh, just, you, <laughs> just, just giving you a heads up there. Well, watch Field of Dreams. You'll enjoy it, and it'll make you smile. It makes me smile. But there's, there's a movie or two I have I have not seen that I think the rest of the world's seen. Uh, Most of it has to do with, you know, what you take your kids to. And Junior's favorite movies Major League. So we started out of the gate with uh, high-quality Lou Brown uh, when it came to baseball movies. Husker football, Bill. uh, We're two weeks away from tomorrow with Nebraska, Illinois. And interested here with, uh, with, you know, if you're Scott Frost, what you do if maybe you're down, and we don't know for sure if he is or not, but if you're down one of your tight ends, with how you approach, uh, you know your philosophy. If you want to go ground and pound and and be heavy, are you still going to be able to do that uh, without uh, without a Vocalek? And we don't know he's out. I'm just saying that backups are having to be used now because you've got a guy that's, as Coach Frost put it today, nicked up.
0: Well, I, I think it's it's. I think it's a critical position for Nebraska just based on what we've learned over the last, uh, what, three or four recruiting cycles in terms of the emphasis that they seem to be putting on bringing in athletic tight ends mm-hmm. that constructs the field. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the days when it was uh, Chris Garrett and Will Washington being, you know, guys who couldn't be offensive linemen necessarily, but, well, actually, they could be offensive linemen. They just happen to have better hands. Sure. So they could actually be tight ends. Um, I think I think it's probably pretty critical that they uh, that one of those guys is back. And from what I'm reading over the last 24 hours, it sounds like, vocal, like uh the you know the, the red uh, the red lights not quite on. The sirens aren't blaring for him like they are um, for uh, the other guy. Shoot, Austin Allen. Austin Allen. Thank you very much. 18 catches and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a critical uh, you know it's it's critical for Nebraska that they that they have guys that are healthy that have experience at that position you know, you're moving. I can't keep track of the number of times. I think I've read Chris Hickman changing positions, going from a to B to a to C to a to B again. Um, so I'm sure that kid's probably a little bit confused, but all of this, as I read it, the thing that comes to my mind though, is, is what I've talked about. I think for the past, you know, several weeks and maybe since the spring game, it's all going to be predicated on the depth on the offensive line. And I think that's the most important thing for Nebraska all year is that you have too deep from left tackle to left guard to center to right to right tackle. And if Nebraska doesn't have the tight ends that can block with experience, then, you know, running between the tackles is going to be critical because you probably can't get outside. Um, and how much they can stretch the field in the pass game, I don't know. But, again, I think the offensive line becomes even more critical if, the, if those tight ends aren't. Uh, they don't have experience at the tight end position to block when they need to. I'm not worried about tight ends catching the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about them being able to block the perimeter.
2: Amen. That's where I'm at. If you want to really set the tone and, and be downhill and be physical, uh, you need that point of attack. And you've got a couple of good ones in Vokalek and, and Allen. And it's not to say that, that Hickman and guys behind those uh, those two perceived starters can't get the job done, but they're just much younger and they're different body types than six nine and six 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 eight, in you know two seventy or or two you know two fifty five. Bill Dolman's with us, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, R City Radio. Bill, when we talked Nebraska, Illinois in that opener, what, what was the most tense opener you remember uh, with with your coverage or your your time with Nebraska, either covering or working for?
0: Well. <laughs> Getting Bob Devaney to the meeting with uh, Walt Byers from the NCAA in nineteen 1986 so that uh, they could have that meeting and forty or fifty players would be eligible to play on ABC that night against uh, uh, that Saturday night against Florida State but that was uh, most critical given the fact that the meeting was at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and uh, and I he landed at the airport at about 310. so that was probably the most tense and that's of course when he asked for the keys and drove us back from the airport to uh, Memorial Stadium. And uh, they so drove was, you back? Yeah, that was, the, you know, they had the meeting. After and, uh, being I on said, an Coach, airplane? Uh, well, I said, Coach, uh, I I went out to go pick him up, and the meeting was at 3, and it was like 3.10, and he's coming down the escalator. And I said, Coach, I'm, you know, Bill from the SID office, uh, you know, here to take you back. He goes, uh, I said, by the way, you, you, you had a meeting scheduled with, uh, with, I'm pretty sure it was Walt Byers, who was the president of the NCAA at the time, and I said, they get a meeting at three o'clock and it's already past three, so we need to get you back as quick as possible. And he says, Uh, why don't you give me the keys? I believe I believe you better let me drive this time. So that's when we went on our joy ride down Corner Square Highway to get back to a Memorial Stadium for the uh, for the meeting and you know, probably because they made a me uh, because I and Ben Boyle had made our, our required trips to N Street, uh they had enough libations to get the deal done and Nebraska played and I think we won that game. So, you know, that was a pretty tense Uh, season opener
2: bill dolman delivering for the big red (laughs) end i mean let's did you have a list that you needed to go shopping for was it memorized
0: No, I didn't have to go shop. It was all like
2: prepackaged already. Oh, so I'm sure, so it was the good stuff. Oh yeah, this what's that over there? That's for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Need a bag? <laughs> yes, <laughs> brown paper sack. So Dolman, you delivered the the comeback victory against Florida State, or did they win? Uh, or, I, I, or did I, I, the Florida State win that night? No, I think we won that
0: night. I, as I recall, that wasn't the eighteen fourteen Jeff Quinn fumble at the eleven. That was a night game, like it was like eighty six, I think.
2: They beat Nebraska yeah. in eighty five though, didn't they, or something like that?
0: Yeah, they, they had, they had a win there. That was kind of the one that you know that that really launched Bobby Bowden's you know career uh, was that win over uh, over Nebraska. And, and but I think it was that night game. It was a it was a prime time game. But the one that they the game that they won and upset that was. You know that was Florida State coming to get a check.
2: Yeah, 1980. Uh, they, yeah,
0: yeah. They were they weren't established, but you know by the by the you know by the time five years had rolled around, you know those were the you know two of the marquee programs in college football, and that was the prime time uh, kickoff to the season. And and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure we won that game. I think like Steve Taylor was the quarterback mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, um, but uh, but anyway, so yeah, that was that was a pretty tense uh, tense opener, as I
2: recall. Getting Bob for, to meet for, for the Van for different NCAA. reasons. Yeah, for different
0: reasons other than uh, you know was that a good game? Or, you know, was it a tough opponent? Eligibility.
2: Or not? We're talking about <laughs> eligibility and the the old uh, scandal with the uh, selling of student tickets
0: and al- making sure that and making sure that the cupboard was stocked.
2: Yeah. We we'll just keep yeah. pouring till he says it's okay, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, yeah, uh, the the walls could talk. Uh, that's that's so good. Bill Dolman's with us. Bill, I sent you a Bill Conley's list, his top one hundred coaches. We were in a little bit of an uproar that Devaney was not on this list, but Conley cleared up that he had to to coach at least till nineteen seventy five. So that's why Bob's left off. And some other coaches like Woody Hayes and and, Schembechler and and, and, uh, who's the guy for USC? Uh, John John, John, John McKay. John McKay, yeah. Yeah, they're on there because they coached at least the mid-70s. But T.O. comes in at number four. Uh, Bowden three, Bryant two, Saban one. Uh, Your take on this top four.
0: Well, it's clearly a one man's opinion—a uh, pretty good opinion—but they didn't leave it to a vote because if they put it up to a vote, you know, Nebraska fans would have uh, flooded the uh, the ESPN mailbag, and Tom Osborne would have been number one. Look, I think it—I it, it, think it's reasonably accurate to say that. Although I'm always amused because I don't think Tom ever lost to Nick Saban. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I don't ever recall that happening. Um, in fact I think when we played there at, at Michigan State in nineteen ninety five, I think it was, you know, before forty two to, to nothing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh but now I don't think you can argue that, you know, the rest of the world is gonna put Nick Saban the top of the list. uh Bear Bryant um belongs with that group of you know Bob Devaney and McKay and you know dare you say Paterno, Woody Hayes. I mean there's some there's some guys with some uh, dark check marks uh, next to them. But you know those are the pioneers who built this, who built the game into what it is today. So you certainly don't want to leave them off of a, a, a list of the top coaches of all time because without them, the game isn't where it is now. Um so I, I'm I'm glad that you had a uh, a conversation about Bob Devaney in that regard. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that Tom belongs in the elite level of that list. And Bobby Bowden was a great quote. <laughs> and he was a great coach, there's no doubt about it. But he was media friendly, knew how to play the media. Um, Bear Bryant had all the power in the world, and he dictated where everybody went and played their bowl games, and Saban is Saban. So for, for Tom to be in the top four or five, I think, uh, speaks to – the reverence people have for who he was or who he is, who he was as a coach and and everything that he brought to the game. And, you know, one of the great things I think about Tom Osborne that really gets that people do not talk about. And I've said this about Turner Gill being the most important recruit in Nebraska football history, but Tom made a major shift really twice during an already great coaching career going from, you know, a, a a pass pro-style offense with Prince Ferragamo and Dave Humm and those guys in the 70s to the option, uh, that was a major shift. And then in the 90s, you know, the shift defensively. um, those Those are seismic changes that had great impacts on Nebraska football to keep Nebraska football among the prominent programs in the country and created a dynasty.
2: Bill, you made a shift when you're already winning 10 games. Think about that.
0: Yeah, and and that's – and, you know, seeing the writing on the – I shouldn't say seeing the writing on the wall, because Nebraska would have continued to have been successful. Mm -hmm. But just major (laughs) – to go from a a pro style to the option, Mm -hmm. uh, to beat your arch rival in Oklahoma, which he did, and then deciding, you know what, we got to make some changes defensively and and become faster uh, with Ed Stewart and and moving that – uh, you know, making him a a speedy linebacker and everything that you know transpired after that. I just, I just really, when you look back, not many coaches have the uh, wherewithal to to do that and uh, check their pride and figure out, okay, what do we need to do to even be more successful? And he did it.
2: Bill Dolman with his Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D will check in next week. Thanks so much for jumping in today.
0: And I'm guessing Tom didn't waste his time watching Peel the Dreams to get the job done. When you're saving the world through sports casting and coaching Husker football, you know, you got to sacrifice things.
2: <laughs> Take care. Get, get it rented. Go, go Big Red. Go varsity Radio. Back to you, Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with us, and he's co host of Big Red Wrap Up. Jay Bird, you dust off the cowboy boots for this weekend?
6: <laughs> uh, I do not own a pair of cowboy boots. Um I'm totally happy with that. Uh, I will not be at uh the concert. That's not my uh I'm a fan of country music, but uh not that country, you know. Okay. i know out the name of Two Garth Two Garth Brooks songs. And uh so you know, I'll, I'll I'll I hope people have a good time. I think it's great that hopefully there's a ton of people there and people enjoy themselves but uh I'll be I'll be in Lincoln but I I won't be at the Garth Brooks concert.
2: That's all right. What what was the like your your buddy Barrett Rude. I mean he's he's a yeah. big he's a big like cowboy boot guy, isn't
6: he? Oh yeah. Yeah, Barrett Barrett will rock the cowboy boots. You know, he's like you know people say like if you get a good pair of cowboy boots and you get them broken in like you won't find a more comfortable pair of shoes. Really? which I have to call, like, total BS on that. I mean, those look like the most uncomfortable things ever. But, you know, to each their own, so, uh, yeah, I just can't do them. I can't, you know, maybe, you know, for maybe a Halloween costume or something, but you know what? You know, if I'm going to wear any shoes, I'm wearing, you know, some nice,
2: you're you going to Adidas on, or Nike or something. You know, something. shoes
6: that yeah. have, like, some technology in them that are to protect my feet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't need, you know, as cool as you can make, like, ostrich leather and, what, you know, and whatever it is. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with something a little more to my style.
2: Well, Billy Martin had always wear cowboy boots. Uh, you could pull off a Doc Holiday uh, if you ever wanted to dress up as Doc Holiday for Halloween and, yeah. and grow a stash. You get a little handle, a handlebar guy? I don't think he was handlebar, but it was. The bar. It it, it looked uh, it looked aerodynamic. I'll go there. Okay. okay. Jay Moore's right. with us, Jay. So football's around the corner. Do you believe it's two weeks till till kickoff, man?
6: Oh, I can't. You know, it's summer. Uh, summer has flown by. You know, it's nice. It's good. It, I'm glad it's it's around the corner, and I'm, I'm just hoping that. Uh, you know the, the the guys' minds are right, and they're in the right place, and they know the opportunity that's hand, and I, that, that starts with everyone from the top top down. That mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is you know, all games are important, but it feels like this first one is you know almost the biggest game of the season. I, I think if you approach every game like it's the biggest game of the season, you'll be all right. But this is a big one. You got to to a wrong start. Um, you know, this the season could look could look vastly different. Mm-hmm. I know it's a, it's a grind of a schedule, but. You know, go to Illinois. You got uh, you got a new coach, but they got a lot of returning players back that uh, played some good football last year. So, yeah, it's it's close. You know, I I'm happy that it's still two weeks away because I think this team needs to get as prepared as possible to go out to Champaign and and start taking care of business like they need to start doing. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's definitely gone by quick this summer. That's all right.
2: Jay Moore is with us, Few Minutes, Hale, city Radio. Jay, at what point in your career and your maturation process as a, as a player, as a student athlete, did, did the, the day-to-day really become important for that Saturday when it, come, when it comes to your prep, when it comes to your film study, when it comes to knowing your assignments? Uh, where, where did that kind of click on for you, or, or was it always that way?
6: No, no, it, it it took me some time. You know, I, you know, in high school you just show up and you and you and you practice and you play. And in high school you're always pretty much better than everyone. So you don't. I mean, not that I didn't work hard, but you know, you mm-hmm. have to pay really that much attention to detail, right? You know, you rarely watch film. You might watch film for maybe an hour a week. You know, on the on the opponent because you know it's hard to get back then. You know, VCR tapes and just finding you know it was, it's. It was a little more difficult, but get to college and you know you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. But I like I tell people, my first couple years were like trying to take a drink out of a fire hydrant. You know, it was it was difficult. You just try to take in what you could, and then eventually things started to slow down. And honestly, you know, once I started playing my sophomore year, like I told you before, I was just really happy playing. You know, I was finally playing. I was you know on the two deep. You know, I played every game, played tons of snaps. You know, I started. A bunch of games my sophomore year. I was contributing. That was that was that was a step, right? But I still wasn't fully approaching it like, you know, you, like you might say a pro or um, an all-conference player would, and that really didn't happen until my till the very next year, to where, you know, you start understanding how to dissect film. So, I, you know, that's my junior year. You know, I was really able to approach it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, working hard. My, I mean, you're so busting your ass, right? But. Mm-hmm. You know it's just doing the little things it's it's approaching every rep in practice like a game rep you know sometimes you find yourself you know my sophomore year you're just you're you're just trying to get through practice you know instead of making the practices count you know and we're in a new transition so you know things were crazy you know going from solace to callahan so i think everyone was was a little it was a little you know almost like you're playing with two left feet sometimes but You know, I uh, my junior year is when I finally approached it and uh, I kind of matured more mentally and understood the film. But it was really just kind of breaking down practice, you know, and 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 practicing like it was a game and not trying to get through and making sure I was trying to be as perfect as possible. So I knew if I was perfect, as as close as possible, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday became that much easier and I was that much better and I'd play better. And often you start playing better and producing and you're getting sacks and TFLs and. Hit balls, and you're winning football games, and you're beating good opponents. That becomes those results become really addicting, and uh, you make sure you do that every week. So it took me it took me a few years um, to to really get there, but uh, you know I think everyone's a little different.
2: Jay Moore's with us. Hale varsity radio getting ready for Nebraska is a couple of weeks away from the opener at Illinois. We are on the road in Champaign. Road shows Friday and Saturday with Hale varsity radio, and then uh, Real Red reaction, of course, uh, on the way following. So, Jay Bird, a, a take here on this defensive line. I know that there is bodies. I know that there is rotation. I know there is some experience. There is young. There is old. There is in between. And let's talk ceiling here for this defensive line. I think their their best trait, and you you jump in as the expert, is their ability to stop the run. I think they're physical, but when it comes to to pressure and being uh, being able to to affect the quarterback, I think that's what the next step is. Is there a guy or two that you think has the ability that can go all right from just run stuffer to? The quarterback chaser. Is there a couple of guys that can really have a breakout year?
6: Yeah, I, I think the first that comes to my mind is, is Ty Robinson. You know, I think he possesses all the tools to be, you know, one of the next best defensive linemen to come out of, come out of uh, Nebraska. You know, he has the height, the strength, uh, athleticism. Um, you know, he has the, you know, I just remember seeing him play against Wisconsin his true freshman year. You know, you're we able to play four games and he was in the goal line. He was. You know, he was, you know, but impressive guys. And Wisconsin has, you know, some real men on their offensive line. like, whoa, that's pretty impressive. So, I, I think, you know, he's he's a guy that I think could, should be an under-down guy, you know, and then, you know, I think another guy that, so that's more your interior guy. I think it's, I'd I like to say, you know, a guy like, you know, he's an outside linebacker, but you, I, I think you, he'll play on the edge. You know, a guy like Caleb Tanner. I okay. think you want to talk about a guy who can, He'd be an ever-down guy, and set the edge against the run. And and then when it comes to that, you know, obvious, you know, third and long situation, you know, he's got to be able to win. You know, he has, he possesses all the tools, and that's just the thing that you've already hit it. Like that's the thing Nebraska kind of miss is you have a dude that can uh, that can win on third down. You know, we haven't had a guy like that since you know Randy was here, Randy Gregory again. So hopefully those two guys pick it up. But you know, there's there's a bunch of guys still. You know, you'd, you'd like to think Ben Steely. You know, going into his, what, sixth year would be able to evolve more and, and be an all-down all, all down guy and create some pressure. And I think, you know, they'll move Ben when it gets into, you know, third and long situations. He might play over a center or a guard instead of over a tackle. Sometimes his athleticism should be able to beat those guys. So they get pretty afraid of what they have. But you know, I, I looked at those two guys. And it's like, hey, you know, hey, Ty, you're like, hey, let's go, let's go, Ty, now. You know, he's going into his his third year, which mm-hmm. I think is always the most uh, not important, but I think that's just a year when guys really can can step out of their shell and and start doing some good things. And I, you know, I think Caleb either gone to his third or fourth. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. So those two guys need to, uh, you know, they've been playing good football, but you know, sometimes good football, you know, isn't. You know, they
2: need better than good this year. You know, they, they need great out of those guys. So hopefully they can, can uh, take it up a notch. Jay Moore's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Jay, we'll, uh, we'll figure things out uh, as as teams go through bumps and bruises and injuries. And, you know, talk to me a little bit here about Nebraska's offense. And I think they've wanted to, to use two tight ends, and they can still do that. But if if injuries creep up and there's... Uh, an issue with uh, with availability here. You know, th- th- is Nebraska going to be okay to to do something different uh, with what they want to do with their offense? There, there's a plan to, to lean heavy on the tight ends in the run in the pass game. If, if your top two targets aren't healthy, let's just walk down that hypothetical as we talk. Sure. Uh, you know what, what? What do you do going into Illinois and beyond? Uh, Let's—I mean, Nebraska's got a got a way to and, and the ability to spread out. But man, I was kind of—I had a hankering for a double tight I formation.
6: Yeah, you know that's—you that's, know—having some options, and I think you know adapting to the Big thing um, is as you know you're going into year four. I mean. You, you can, obviously it's nice to have the option to, to spread out and, and do some of those things, but you know it's it's you know you, but it's also great to be able to get up like you know two tight ends you know an I formation have we call that twenty two personnel right mm-hmm. two best, two tight two tight ends and and just say hey <laughs> hey Illinois hey Iowa hey Wisconsin mm-hmm. hey you know Purdue we're coming at you you know and then we're going to hit you hard and then guess what boom we're going to take some play action. and, we're gonna maybe hit up Bubba or Austin Allen and 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 then or you know get major bets you know lined up one on one with someone because you got you know eight guys in the box to take on this take on this formation or or you know, whoever it may be. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to have that creativity. And I think you just have to have it. I think there's some the time where. You know, crunch time. Where it's you know, it's a, it's a four-minute drill, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're up and you just got to get a couple first downs, and you don't need to be in shotgun spread formation, you know, and going quick. You need to be snapping that ball two seconds on the play clock and getting that thing down, and getting three, four yards of chunk and letting that thing run out, so you can you can get out of dodge a win against tough big-time opponents. That's just the way Big Ten football is. So I think that's just a maturation of this offense and the staff and understanding that where. You know, for us hey, like, people, you know, hopefully, you know, people in the big 10 after the death us, I think it's probably the opposite. I think this staff have the big 10 and just realize it's a lot harder than what you think and winning in, in the back 12 and, and in the or the AAC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's are nerd thing, and I think it's great to have. You got to invest in these. You can spread them out. but you know what? You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's great to just break the defense will when <laughs> you can't stop it. And we've been on, we, you know, we've been down off the end of that where we literally cannot stop a nosebleed in run game. And uh, It'd be nice to start doing that to some other opponents.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy.
2: Jay Moore is with us. Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, last thought. Uh, Will Compton, sit down with Bo Pelini on uh, busting with the Boys. We, we've had a good time uh, going over that here this week. And do, do you have a funny Bo story? And, and two... To that, I thought a really good part of the interview was, was Will talking about, you know, how Bo just when it when 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 Bleep hit the fan, it compounded and and there was not a calming voice. In all your time in football, what coach I guess sticks out to you the most about handling those pressure moments the best? Is there a coach that you still kinda of smile about saying, Man, it was a tight ball game. We were it was a dogfight, and and this coach was super calm. Did did you have a good experience with those moments?
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, I this is tough. I mean, I don't think I can't really think of any, but I mean, the the coach on my time in the NFL, you know, was you know I was there with Mike Nolan drafting me. Then mm-hmm. going into my second year, he was fired. And Mike Singletary, and Mike Singletary was definitely not a guy that could handle post tight moments <laughs> very well. He was, you know, you could see his post game press, press conferences and stuff. And uh, you know, then and then maybe when I was with the Rams and. Um, Gosh, now he's a defensive coordinator with the Chiefs. He was—he came from the, being the defensive coordinator with the Giants. I can't speak to that. Yeah, he's pretty calm in, in what he did. But, you know, when he was at the Rams, I mean, he, he was only winning two or three or four football games. So, you know, honestly, you know, our tight games when, with Coach callahan you know, he was – he was pretty good. You know, he never, obviously, there were some frustrations. I mean, in, in during those time frames and, and close games and close losses, but he never really know it. And he, and, and knew it. And we never knew it. Now, if you want to talk to maybe Zach or Matt Lawson or some guys in the offense, mm-hmm. you know, they might have some different stories, but he never messed with the defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were we were close, you know, so I just, he kept it pretty close, you know, to the cuff. And, and was calm, um, even with some of our tough losses, you know, I think back to you know Texas Tech, my junior year. You know, pretty much had that thing in the bag, and you know, and then you know, usually we'd come in on Sundays to to work out and and. Uh, you know, to watch film, he actually gave us that Sunday off just because I think that that took a lot on the staff, and then you know obviously from the what happened here before, and, mm-hmm. and you know took a lot on us, So he you know he gave us a day off, which that wasn't that wasn't that never came. You know that was, was very rare. Uh, you know, Coach Dawes was just pretty calm too. You know, he just kept fighting, right, And things were kind of getting out of control a little bit. Um, you always come to, the, come to the side and say, you know, the pilot, hey, don't look at the scoreboard, just play. Mm-hmm. You know, leave the scoreboard up to us, just do your jobs, you know, things will work out. You know, if you're kind of getting you you're down a little bit early, just keep playing. Things will always work out with the momentum, don't pay attention to the scoreboard. So, you know, they did a good job, you know. They, they you know, they chew you out when it needed to be, but, mm-hmm. you know, when things were getting a little out of control, they they, they kept pretty calm and they kept you, you know. If you're in the right frame of mind, so you know, mainly it was I don't say that Callahan staff, even though I know some people would be shocked to, to hear that, you know, because mm-hmm. I know they have that negative conversation when you mentioned Callahan and, and Tides around here, but uh, they were pretty good when, when things would go south
2: with Bo. You had time with him, was he just a great motivator for you?
6: He yeah, was great, you know, he was hard, he was very, very hard on you. I mean, he, like you know, Coach McBride always says, you know, you had a he he would he would cheer your ass out but you know he would but then you know he would he would hug you too right, right. yeah um, you know and you have to have that that's just the game of football you got no one to you know get after someone and you got no one to love someone um, that's, that's a great you know thing with a coach and he would get after you, but he was so fun to play for because when he played well that's just really interesting. when he played well there's nothing better than you know getting you know congratulations from a coach and you know just that love and that and you know that affection and uh, Bo just had it, man. He was a good motivator. You just wanted to play well for him. You always wanted to play well for the coaches, but Bo had that ability. I think just to really connect with his players, um, he knew the game so well, um, and he was he was he was willing to do some different things. And and you know he, he was he would tell it to you straight. You know he he would he would give it to you. And uh, you know as a player you can appreciate that. He kind of you know he was. It was, you know, if anything was wrong, he always blame himself first, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's what you kind of got to appreciate
2: as a player. Jay Moore's with us. Jay, have a good weekend, buddy. This was fun to, to talk a while. Thanks for an extended sit down and, and making time today, bud. Hey, Any day, buddy. Got to love Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore. Thoughts on Bo? Thoughts on Bill? Thoughts on kind of a theme the last couple of days with uh, handling that moment under pressure. That that. It's hitting the fan. How does your coach or your leader react? And that was a topic that that Will addressed. Will Compton addressed with Bo Pallidi. Some good stuff from Jay on where they can go defensive line wise, as well with the, the big red and no to cowboy boots for Jay Moore. Will Wilson's in. Chris Schmidt, hope you're doing all right on a Friday. Winding down a Friday weekend edition tomorrow with Hale City Radio, 7 to 9 a.m. So let's dive into some NFL real quick. And uh, three ball games tonight. Will, you've got uh, Vegas. They need better play, greater play at quarterback. The, the Chargers have Herbert. What's Act Two look like yeah, for him? Yeah. The Rams got Stafford. And that could be real exciting. Dak and Dallas, how's he do coming back from injury? And then there's the Tua question, Mark. If you were to rank bigger question to confident, how would you rank those squads? I think Dak's good, yeah. okay, and he's got help. So I don't have, I think from a, from a safe place, I think I go, I go Dak. And I'm going to go with Herbert. Yeah. I think I think those are the two guys that I'm confident that they can can be really good. Stafford, I think he'll be really good. Yeah. No acres is big. It's big. It's big. We'll, so we'll see. I'm, I'm going to wait and
3: see on that. I cause, love cause Stafford. Because the,
2: the Rams are in the toughest division. You've mm-hmm. got Arizona. You've got Seattle. You have San Francisco. Toughest yeah. division in football. Tua, they're expecting him to be Superman already. Mm-hmm. And I love the fish. Uh, the Marino years, when they had snowflake kicking field goals, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they should. De- like if they could have gotten somebody name worthy, sure you deal Tua, mm-hmm. but I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think, think it's too soon to to punt on Tua. Agreed. Uh, with with Oakland, eh, fun, that's swear jar. I'm sorry, I, I screw it up. <laughs> I know it's Vegas. I know it's Vegas, baby. But I always screw that up. Yeah, the David Carr. David Carr just is is okay. He's good dude. He's serviceable, but they got dudes around him. Yeah, they got enough dudes around him to be uh, at least finishing second to Kansas City. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Now their defense is is a bit of a mess, but it's like their season went. You see this in college. You don't expect it in pro football. But the minute that, that, that Mahomes rallied and they won that, that shootout in Vegas last year, mm-hmm. 35-31, great game. Yep. But the minute that happened, it's like the, the, the season went from playoff to, all right, we're drafting somewhere in the teens.
3: Right. And didn't they go to uh, their
2: backup last year? Well, they had Mariota. Mariota, they went and, to and him. They, and I thought Mariota looked pretty good. Problem is, Mariota gets breathed on wrong and he's hurt. And that's been his career. Because it's not for lack of talent. I mean, Mariota's talent to kid. We'll wind down to Friday. Thanks for spending time at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back, fellas.
1: So, think we could listen to the radio? Listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes, that's awesome. So we'll wind out a Friday Garth Brooks tomorrow. I know most of the state is going or going to try and go or could go or can get in for cheaper, whatever you want to go about it with. But uh, enjoy Lincoln, be safe, be healthy, and and be loud with all your friends and uh, loved ones at uh, Memorial Stadium tomorrow night. That's going to be awesome to have folks and uh, friends in high and low places for, for Garth tomorrow. A lot of good Nebraska football talk with uh, Bill Dolman, Derek Peterson, and uh, Jay Moore right there. Let's uh, wrap up with Field of Dreams real quick just because it was so incredible last night. Numbers are in. Six million viewers. Think about that. Your typical, normal, three-point, nine and change, or four million is what you'll get for a national audience on Fox for baseball, typically. But to go two million over for a Yankees <laughs> for a Yanks game, <laughs> and then to have that open, and, and folks were going nuts on Twitter, and it was really cool the way that game started, the way it opened with Costner, and then the players coming out of the cornfield. It's as good of, of a opening to a sporting event as I've seen since uh, the the firemen and the policemen came out of Memorial Stadium on 911 against Rice. Mm, sure, but this is this is touching, man. You just you think back mm-hmm. to all the times you played catch with your dad, or you played catch with your kid, and it was great. Yeah, it was pretty pretty emotional, and so many dudes that get seasonal allergies with with uh, yeah with uh, this movie anyway
3: it's uh it was beautiful i agree man and 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 another topic uh brutal way to lose a game for the yankees man Oh, it was
2: wonderful (laughs) (laughs) it was it it was great hearing the joy from junior's room in the basement you know because judge cranked one and and stanton jacked one and then i i did not ground him for what i heard him scream from the basement after the two run shot to lose it <laughs> mm, brutal i know the dogs started barking they were not happy with his range of emotion nor composure yeah. but that was that was pretty cool so but i tell you with with this field of dreams the question also on facebook was should they do this every year or should it be one and done? And the Cubs are already locked in I think for next year. Mm-hmm. Ross said that in an interview today. But you got to do this every year and yeah. keep it at 8,000. Mhm.
3: Yeah, the MLB sees those ratings, you got to keep that going.
2: Oh, for sure. But keep it at 8,000 right. and open it up to the rest of the country cuz I think it was a lottery for only Iowans to go. Interesting. Huh. And a year later. But the White Sox are a good squad. And the Yanks are the are the star power and you pair both of them together. It was cool, man.
3: Yeah. It was that was cool. I, I put it above uh that college game that was on the aircraft
2: carrier a few years ago. Oh, that the, was the cool. basketball game? Yeah. That was sweet. All right, Willie J, uh pour some cold ones for the folks tonight. God love you. Hardest working man there is. <laughs> we'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. <laughs> Let's do it. I I will bring the coffee. Sweet. And uh, we'll send some coffee to Elijah. Good idea. Bless him. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Weekend edition. Myself, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranak, Willie J. sitting in. Get the podcast. Give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly, we'll take it. Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Uh, We'll wake up with you tomorrow morning. Thanks.